Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Don't be sad, everyone. There's no reason to be sad. Okay, there's a little reason to be sad. This is our second-to-last reverse chronological lightning round of the 2022-2023 NBA campaign. I am Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today. It's March the 27th. We got one more, April the 3rd. A week from today, we'll do our last reverse chronological lightning round. The first, the last time we will break down the entire weekend in reverse order. And then Mondays, we'll see a marked shift after that. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. I think basically all of you know that by now. I, I do, it's important to, to, treat every show as though someone new is listening. So just in case there is someone new out there, hello, welcome. On Mondays, throughout the season, uh, we will be, <laughs> one more time, doing a weekend review. We cover every team and what they did over the weekend in their most recent ball game as a way to kind of reset the table here. And uh, we'll also, there's two little notes today, this is for everybody, So you guys know that last week on Thursday and Friday, we did two shows. We did a recap show and a look-ahead show. Today, we're going to actually mush them back into one uh, because we have the weekly lineup show here on our YouTube feed. That's not going out on the Fantasy NBA Today traditional podcast channel. The great Steve Vitovich will be hosting that show at 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific time where he looks at the week ahead. So uh, me doing another show 15 minutes after that is superfluous and redundant. We don't need to do it. That's the other order of business. But I want to dive right in because we got a whole lot of stuff to cover. Uh, Silly season has come roaring in in full, full swing now. You've seen some teams over the weekend kind of pull the plug on whatever was going on with them. uh, And we should probably analyze those. We got a question during the pre-show. I left it up on the screen for the YouTubers, but I'll answer it here uh, for the recorded listeners the uh, the question was, will you be doing off-season content? And longtime listeners know that there is no break here on Fantasy NBA Today. I do shows Monday through Friday, uh, year-round, 52 weeks a year. Haven't missed a weekday in, I think, now three full years or something insane like that. It's, it's a dumb streak that has taken on a life of its own, uh, but we'll keep it going as long as we can. So, um, yes, there will be off-season content. And now let's... Talk about what happened over the weekend. Dallas lost in Charlotte. They lost two games in a row to the Charlotte Hornets. Oh, dear Lord. That is rough. And in the process, Luka Doncic picked up his, uh, his 16th or his 18th technical foul. It doesn't really matter. Either way, once you get to 16, Every other tee gets you suspended for a game, so Luka will be off in their next one. That means Kyrie's going to have to go big. Do you dare take a shot at someone like a Tim Hardaway Jr. who probably slots back into the starting five? I don't think that I'm going to venture down that path. Usually, however, we do see Christian Wood play a lot better when, uh, when at least one of the superstars is out. Because, you know, look, Luka took 29 shots in this game. He very nearly carried the team to a victory in a game that they shouldn't have needed anybody to carry them to. Uh, And so that leaves a lot on the table. 
Over on the Charlotte side, Mark Williams got the start, played 33 minutes, 32 and a half, I guess. Nick Richards got a healthy DNP, and then Charlotte announced first thing this morning, actually, it came out while I was setting up the podcast, that Mark Williams, Nick Richards, Kai Jones are going to rotate at center for the rest of the season with two playing each game and one sitting out. So, Mark Williams will be off in Charlotte's next ball game. Whoopity doo. Nick Richards will most likely get the start. And then you'll see on Friday, Mark Williams comes back. He probably starts. Richards backs him up. And then Sunday will be a lot like what we saw yesterday, which was Williams starting and Kai Jones getting the reserve minutes. So, adjust your rosters accordingly. All of those guys are going to be really annoying to try to roster in head-to-head leagues. I don't think that you can, honestly, because... Two games this week out of any of them? Probably a no. And on the Roto side, you can start them when they make sense. You know, Nick Richards makes sense tomorrow. And then eh, probably not the other days this week, but maybe. And then again the following Tuesday, he probably makes sense. So you can squeeze something out of this on the Roto side, whereas on head-to-head, you probably just have to move on from all of it. Dennis Smith Jr. got the start with uh, no Terry Rozier again and no Kelly Oubre Jr. I don't know that we see either one of those guys the rest of this season, although you know, Charlotte, as I mentioned actually during the pre-show, they're in a, a an intriguing tank uh, pocket. That's a tank pocket. It's not that dissimilar from a hot pocket in that Charlotte has won 25 games. They've, lo- they've lost 51. The nearest team below them in the standings are the Spurs. San Antonio's won 19 games, so Charlotte has effectively, I think it's a five and a half game edge there because you've got, they've played a different number of games right now. And then on the upper side of it, the Magic and the Blazers have each won 32. So there's like a five and a half game spread for Charlotte on either side of them in the standings. They can legitimately do anything they want here down the stretch, and it won't impact the fact that they will have the fourth worst record in the NBA at the end of the season, which means they can try if they want to, or they can not try if they don't want to. It makes it very hard to figure out what they're going to do game to game. At least I think we can say we're fortunate that they gave us an indicator of what the hell's going on at the center position, but it makes me think, given that Gordon Hayward's still playing and P.J. Washington's still playing, that if Rozier or Oubre feels well enough to go, They'd probably go. Head-to-head, I don't think you can squat on them for very long. Maybe through tomorrow to find out if they're going to play in that game at Oklahoma City. If they don't, you probably have to punt. Which stinks because those are the two guys that we held on to for Charlotte's two-game week a week and a half ago. It was like, oh, great, we can hold through the two-gamer. You get four apiece out of Rogier and Oubre, and then you didn't get anything close to that last week. Because life Charlotte went into, or sorry, Chicago went into Los Angeles and just made everything. Bulls went buck wild from the field. They cooled off a tiny bit in the fourth quarter, but the game was long since over by then. Uh, Bulls were shooting close to 70% through almost three quarters of this game. It was nuts. Everybody hit everything. Jumpers, mid-range, you name it, it was going down. Except for Kobe White. And I think a lot of that was actually the fourth quarter slowdown for the Bulls was, was Kobe. But Zach Levine, 32 points on 19 shots. Andre Drummond had 12 points because Vooch got ejected. Then the Bulls went real small in this game for a stretch. They had Derek Jones Jr. playing center for different pockets of the game, and somehow it didn't backfire on them. Although I guess Derek Jones was a minus five. 
this was a game where the Bulls could just sort of do no wrong. And the Lakers could do very little right. Offensively, they were okay. Like, if they actually got looks at the bucket, they were okay. But Lakers turned it over 18 times. The reason I bring this up is that these two teams play again on Wednesday. And you can try to pull some stuff away from it if you want. I, I just, I don't think that it changes the valuation of anything on the Chicago side. Even, even after we saw everybody play really well. For the Lakers, LeBron came back, played 29 minutes off the bench. I don't really know what the point of the, the bench thing was, if they were going to let him go close to 30 minutes anyway. And, uh, you know, he was, unsurprisingly, still pretty good at basketball, but also kind of rusty. LeBron had five turnovers. Austin Reeves still played 37 minutes. He also had five turnovers. And uh, Dennis Schroeder slid into the starting lineup presumably for D'Angelo Russell, uh, and he played better. Troy Brown Jr. had a better ball game. You're not picking up Troy Brown Jr. You're not picking up Schroeder, because I think we probably see D'Lo back for the Lakers next game. That's in Chicago on Wednesday again. Question there, I guess, is do they move Schroeder to the bench or Reeves? And I'm assuming it'll be Schroeder going to the bench, but I don't know that we can necessarily know that for certain. Another thing you may also be wondering is, why is Anthony Davis all over the map? Well, He's got the yips at the free throw line again, and so he's a little bit less into the attacking part of the proceedings, the stuff that actually works for him. Uh, and teams are doubling him more often, but you'll see less of that now with LeBron back and with D'Lo, I think, coming back. So where does that leave us? I think you hold Austin Reeves. I know he didn't have the world's greatest ball game here uh, with the turnovers, but still 13 points, 7 assists. Uh, he looks like he's locked into a pretty big role for them. Jared Vanderbilt is uh, droppable with LeBron back now. He's close to droppable anyway. Malik Beasley got hot in garbage time, so don't do anything with that. Cleveland beat Houston 108-91. Rockets had, went on a little bit of a mini spurt, but now they have de-spurted. They've now lost five games in a row again. They've slid back into the second worst record in the NBA. Uh, and there's... Just not that much great going on. There was that little run there. The wins for Houston did seem to correspond with Kevin Porter Jr. coming back. Uh, and he was hot right when he came back, and now he's cooled off a little bit. Jabari Smith Jr. went on a little bit of a better run. He's also cooled off. Alperin Shengun, who... Look, we need to be... I've sort of dodged weighing in too hard on the Shengun stuff because I know he's one of the more polarizing names in the NBA from a fantasy standpoint because his counting stuff can be very effective. He's averaging 15 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, a steal, and a block this year. All that stuff is relatively good. 55% from the field, also relatively good. But free throws have been a, a very large downer. Uh, and then also lately... Uh, all this stuff has kind of been a little bit of a downer. And I'm trying to remember, I think over the last two months, he's outside the top 130, largely because the free throw percent has been worse. The field goal percent has been hovering just above 50 instead of in the high 50s, as it was before that. Uh, and then the other stuff hasn't really moved off of where it was because guys started coming back for the Rockets and his usage went down. And so over the last two months, he's actually been like barely streamable. And it's pushed him down from where he was, which was near 70 to close to 90 on the year on a per-game basis. Where does, where does someone like Sengun go from this year is the big question. And, you know, you look at the Rockets. 
none of these guys is going anywhere. Kevin Porter Jr., he's locked in there. Jalen Green, he's one of their young guys. Jabari Smith Jr. is just going to get more to do as he continues to presumably fill out for that NBA role. Tari Eason's probably going to get to do more. So, you know, to me, this kind of feels like what Shangun is unless he makes a massive leap forward in his areas of deficiency, which we all know defensively he has big issues there. If he can start to solve those and earn a little bit more of the of consistency, then maybe he takes that step forward. But from a usage standpoint, I don't know that there's much more that they can funnel to him with all of those guys still around. Shango to me profiles as someone who's probably going to get a little bit overdrafted almost every year because he is more effective in head-to-head and points formats. Because if you are punting free throw percent, he becomes a much more intriguing player. If you're punting turnovers, he becomes a much more intriguing player because he is a ball-handling big man. So there's these ways that he becomes a really a much more intriguing head-to-head play. Eight-cat play is a much better guy as well. But nine-cat roto, you know, he probably is a 70 to 100 range dude, and that's probably just kind of what it is. We'll keep an eye on it. Nothing else to take away from that ball game, so I wanted to sort of hover on Alpi for just a minute. Toronto beat Washington, and we've seen the Wizards here. They are slowly pulling the plug. This is the, the world's slowest team death where Bradley Beal, Kyle Kuzma, they're kind of going down one by one, but they haven't abandoned ship on everybody else yet. You almost get the feeling that Kristaps Porzingis has has like a bone to pick with the I'm always hurt crowd. So he's trying to stick it out here. And, you know, maybe he wants to get to 70 ball games. How many games left do the Wizards have right now? Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter. And suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. I'll look it up. I'll look it up, the magic of the internet, while we're talking on air. The uh, Wizards have played 75 games. They got seven games left. If Porzingis plays in six of them, get to 70 games on the year. And I don't think there's a bonus or anything involved in that. I I don't know if his contract offhand, but I do feel like he's someone who has missed so much time, and he probably looks at this like, you know what, this is an opportunity for me to prove to anybody in the NBA that's watching that I can make it through a season. Because 70 games would probably be above league average for the fantasy-relevant crop this year. If he gets to that, I mean, his fantasy value, I think, becomes much more coveted. 
We were able to get Porzingis near 50 this year, and he's just been obliterating that mark. So I think you actually probably do see at least a few more games of Porzingis. I don't know what his mental target is for how many games he wants to get to here, but the Wizards are cooked. The three and a half games back of a play-in spot, the very last play-in spot, trailing a Bulls team that's been hot lately. So the writing's on the wall, and then the question is just how long they push it. In the meantime, Denny Avdia is an intriguing stream with no Kuzma and no Beal. Daniel Gafford, I think, is a pretty interesting stream with no Kuzma or Beal. Corey Kispert is a three-point stream. And with Monte Morris finally sitting out this most recent ballgame after he had toughed it out through a couple, DeLon Wright slides into a huge pocket of value, which, again, we'll see if the Wizards continue down this path. They might bring random dudes back for a game here and there which does make them kind of a hard team to -to head-to-head stream this week because they only have three games. Uh, But if we get to tomorrow and find out all these same guys are sitting it out, uh, i probably roll with those dudes. Toronto, uh, Will Barton played the first four minutes and then turned an ankle, so, you know, six to one, a half dozen kind of thing. Uh, Scotty Barnes was back for this one. Gary Trent Jr. was not. Presses Chua was, but it sort of didn't matter. So they're just waiting on Gary Trent at this point among the regulars now, and the fact that the starters are all in there means that Gary Trent's value isn't particularly strong anyway, and in a three-game week, that's sort of a toss-up with him. Um, But good to see the regulars doing their thing in Toronto. They're the nine seed now. They're tied, actually, with the Hawks for the eight seed. Excuse me. So they've got a shot to try to push themselves into the upper half of the play-in, and they're going to keep pushing. Boston blew out San Antonio, but, you know, this is a what-else-is-new kind of thing. The Among the regulars for the Spurs, you got three of the four in this one. No Keldon Johnson. Yes to Trey Jones. Yes to uh, Devin Vassell. Yes to Zach Collins. You got Malachi Branham doing some fill-in work. You got Sandro getting his 22 minutes. The Spurs are such a disaster. And they only have three games later this week. Honestly, I think... I don't know that any of these guys plays all three. You know, I, I during the pre-show, I said that I thought maybe you could get a playable level week out of Devin Vassell and Zach Collins in head-to-head. I might hang on to Collins. Three games out of Collins is definitely enough. Three games out of Vassell would likely be enough. It really doesn't look like they're going to play Keldon Johnson more than every other day at this point. So I think you can move on from Keldon in head-to-head. Trey Jones, you could probably stick with. I think he's played in a few in a row now, if I'm not mistaken. What a cluster mess, though. Come on, Spurs. If you're going to tank, just sit them all. Let us, let us see the even younger young guys. This back-and-forth thing is an insufferable fantasy storyline. It's just You can't even deal with it. On the Boston side, this game was over early. Marcus Smart got ejected, which is actually a little bit funny. Um, Robert Williams, 19 minutes. I think he probably would have gotten into the low 20s if this game wasn't over early. Uh, The Celtics have a terrible schedule this week because it's a three-gamer with a back-to-back, meaning you only get two games out of Big Al. You're only going to get two games out of Time Lord. Head-to-head, I don't think either of those guys is playable in a two-game week. Roto, yeah, I mean, you get what you can get out of that stuff. Uh, Derek White was very good again. He runs a little hot and cold, but overall he's been mostly playable. 
Um, Jason Tatum got a day off, so that was extremely helpful here. It's why Jalen Brown scored 41. Brogdon scored 20. I mean, anytime one of the two main guys for Boston sits, you get that bonus. I think those rest, the other guys for Boston, I say the other guys, the, the main guys will probably play all three games this week. They don't have a tanking opponent unless you count the Wizards, but Wizards still are playing a couple of their guys. Uh, so to that end, Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, those guys slide back a bit more towards the schedule play kind of zone. Um, and then again, what we already talked about with Horford and, uh, and Time Lord. Memphis beat Atlanta. JJJ had an eight defensive stat game, which actually sunk one of my head-to-head teams. I ended up uh, tying 4-4-1, and one, but I lost the tiebreaker to the team I was going up against because they beat me during the regular season. Uh, and JJJ getting five blocks for the opponent was the uh, the one that sealed it. The blocks, blocks was the category that was tied. Nick Richards getting yesterday off is actually probably what ended my season. Oh, well. Uh, Xavier Tillman bounced back here uh, after a couple of slow ones, so it does seem like it's a little bit schedule-related for the Grizzlies. He didn't get to play much against the Rockets, but he will play more against teams that have bigger front lines. Orlando has a slightly larger front line. Clippers twice. Chicago. I think you see more of Tillman this week, and he probably becomes a little bit of a safer play. Uh, Dylan Brooks fouled out in 23 minutes. If you're wondering why Luke Kennard got another 23-minute performance, Kennard's actually been really good for uh, for Memphis so far. But again, you know you're you know what you're getting there, and you know when you can do it. And on the Atlanta side, uh, Okongwu continues to put up fantasy value in 19 minutes of ballgame. Roll him out there. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, schedule play. I know he's a little better in this one. John Collins, I think he's actually above schedule play right now because he's sort of beaten Sadiq Bey back. And then Bogdan Bogdanovich, who got a couple of games of more playing time with Murray out, is back to what he normally is, which is a schedule play. Despite the best efforts of one Mikhail Bridges, who, after a couple of slow ball games, said, ah, nah, I'm going to go ahead and crank it back up here, guys. Well, the Nets lost anyway. Uh, Brooklyn is the sixth seed, and the Heat have kind of caught them at this point. So games are very important for the Nets down the stretch. So you can continue to trust the main four. It's as far as you go there. How does their schedule look this week? Brooklyn's schedule. Not good. Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. <laughs> Orlando got Jalen Suggs back from his concussion, and he was pretty good, actually. I mean, from a streaming standpoint. Cole Anthony was good again. Franz Wagner didn't miss any time. Or he did. Was, he missed one game, excuse me. He was good. A lot of guys put up nice numbers against uh, against Brooklyn here. Um, but, you know, for Orlando, they were nice last week because they, they played on all the sort of cockeyed days early in the week. This week, they don't. Magic schedule is kind of crummy. If you're sitting on some streamer-level magic, like a Jalen Suggs or, honestly, even a Cole Anthony, uh, you could probably move on, although I think I'd hold through their game on Tuesday at least and then kind of make a play on the rest of the week from there, maybe. Oklahoma City got a road win over Portland. The Blazers have pulled the plug, so no huge surprise there. Uh, Shea, Jalen Williams, Josh Giddy, those guys are always reliable. Isaiah Joe had one of his flamethrower games off the bench, but again, it's it's a carousel with the rest of these dudes. Portland is a spot I want to take a second here. Um, oh, by the way, uh, the NBA just rescinded Luka Doncic's 16th technical foul, so he will not be suspended, ladies and gentlemen. Breaking news here on the podcast. Luka Doncic will not 
be suspended. Will not be suspended. Oh, there's some horrible news coming out in Asheville, Tennessee. Oh, no, I didn't want to look at Twitter now. Oof. Um, we're going to go down that road on the podcast. Go sob to ourselves at another time. So, anyway, uh, that's good news for Dallas and for, uh, for folks that have Luka. But back to the Portland Trailblazers. Because they have gone into full tank mode now. No Dame. No Jeremy. No Nurk. No Simons. All four of the main guys for the Blazers were out for this ball game, possibly for the season. We'll see. It was the front end of a back-to-back, so you might see someone for Portland play tonight that that got the last one off. But they are very much right on the edge of plug all the way out of the socket. Drew Eubanks was a fantasy silly season champion last year. He has the, the potential to do that again this season, as you guys saw yesterday, with 10 boards, 4 assists, and 7 defensive stats. Matisse Thibel is going to get a bunch of defensive stats. Shaden Sharp is going to get a bunch of scoring stats. And then the one that was a little bit surprising to me, I thought we'd see more Cam Reddish. After he played a bunch, you know, three weeks ago, he's completely disappeared. Now, even with players out, Trenton Watford was the silly season champion, but he turned an ankle early and had to leave this ballgame. If you want to also talk about another thing that may have cost me a chance to get to the finals yesterday. I just wish you could get a full week out of anyone right now. (laughs) <laughs> just doesn't happen. Uh, but if Trenton Watford comes back, he would be uh, very interesting. Nas Little filled in for him, but he also doesn't have the world's best fantasy game. But the reason we needed to pause on Portland is that they got this four-game week, and at least three of these games are going to be very high scoring. So you'd love to get some replacements in if we can find out precisely which ones are going to be the ones to do it. Mm, could be juicy. Silly season blazers. Awful if you have any regulars on Portland, which I've got Dame in one or two spots. That's pretty much the only Blazer I have this year, though. Minnesota beat Golden State on the road, which is not super surprising for the Wolves because they're actually a decent road team. It is surprising for the Warriors, who took just their eighth home loss of the year, and the Wolves now pulled within a half game of the Warriors for getting out of the play-in. Wow. Things are crazy, man. The Mavericks going uh, into a full downward spiral here has really been the, the thing because uh, everybody else in that, that chunk is like 5-5 five and five or 6-4 and four over their last 10 ball games. No one's really moving on anybody else. Suns have fallen uh, more like into the pack, really. But the Mavs and the Jazz, the teams that have dropped out of it, boy, I... I Blown away that the Mavs have lost four in a row and the Pels have won four in a row. That is not what I would have thought would have happened over the last four days. Or four games, rather. Anyway, in this one, uh, I think the the big story is that Slow-Mo continues to hold on to his very large role. So, um... Now, if you recall, and again, this is a spot I think I, I want us to pause just for a moment here. Not pause necessarily, but but talk a little bit more in depth. If you remember last week, uh, because Minnesota had such a terrible schedule, I, I did I said on the podcast on Wednesday and Thursday and maybe even Friday, I was like, look, I understand if you got to move on from your Wolves because they had one game on Sunday and there were multiple teams that had three games over that stretch and matching one fringier players production in three games 
or to a, a decent player with one game is pretty easy. There were very few Wolves where you were like, look, I, I think you must hold on to this guy. But one thing that I mentioned was, if you can, please try to hold on to slow-mo in particular. And I had him on the podcast, we said, over someone like Mike Conley, who, you know, Conley's big jump forward was because both of the usage guys, if you want to call them Towns, was out the whole damn year. But Anthony Edwards was also out. And so Conley had to take a bunch of shots. And his value spiked. But we never needed that out of slow-mo. He was fine with usage guys around him because he'll take his, you know, five to ten shots per ball game. He'll get his steals, his blocks, his rebounds, his assists, his better field goal percent, stuff like that. And what we also talked about on the pod was, look, when when this team is fully healthy, and I still think this is the case, although it didn't happen in this ballgame, when this team is fully healthy, slow-mo probably does see his minutes trickle down a little bit from 30s to like mid to high 20s, 25 to 29 range would be my guess. But that's probably still enough for top 100 value for him. And what you saw in this ballgame is that if he's playing well or if the team is playing well around him or if they feel like they like the glue they're getting out of him or if Torian Prince is having a particularly bad ball game, there are still paths for slow-mo to get into the 30s. It's also worth noting that today is a back-to-back. It's the second half of a Bay Area back-to-back, if you want to call it that, for the Wolves, where they travel up I-80 from San Francisco to Sacramento. Take on the Kings tonight. So it's possible that one or more Wolves will rest. Cat would be the one that moves into the the spotlight there. And so then you get another possibly big game out of slow-mo. Keep a close watch on it. I think there's still a chance that he tapers off enough to where you could maybe move on, but the Wolves have such a good schedule this week with four games that you probably end up just sitting on it at this point. I also got what I deserved uh, for referring to Jonathan Kaminga as someone that I was starting to trust, uh, and then he pooped himself in a couple of ball games. Gary Payton coming back for the Warriors was something that I did not foresee coming. That gives them a different bench body to use if they don't want to go to Kaminga or Anthony Lamb. And it's now crowded out Dante DiVincenzo. So the Warriors, uh, subtraction by addition here from a fantasy standpoint, Steph is still going to do his stuff. Clay was also awful. I mean, they just, they could not make a shot, which is pretty weird at home, by the way, for the Warriors. Uh, Draymond, obviously still a play. Jordan Poole, you're still playing, even though he's extremely hit or miss. But, with Gary Payton coming back, and still we don't know what's going on with Andrew Wiggins if he shows up during the regular season here. I think the expectation is he does not. But now there just sort of isn't enough space left, especially if Gary Payton ends up getting more than 16 minutes, which is where he was yesterday. If that trends up at all, you know, Anthony Lamb, who was someone you maybe could look at for a schedule play, DiVincenzo was someone we'd been playing in all formats. You can drop him. Uh... And it just, it pairs everybody down, and now Jonathan Kaminga's getting squeezed out because if Looney plays well, that's, like, that's all you got there. Draymond, he gets pushed up. He'll stay up. And guys just getting squeezed. There's no minutes for Kaminga outside of the biggest spots on the floor, uh, and that means that his minutes are no longer safe. Now, if Draymond gets suspended for another ball game, we can reconsider. But for the moment, uh, Kaminga, who was someone that I was starting to like, by the end of last week, well, I don't anymore. 
Turn the clock towards Saturday here, but before we do, I want to remind everybody watching on YouTube to please take a moment to like and subscribe. Only a few of you have done so so far, a small fraction of those that are actually hanging out with us. And I'll also mention that as long as you guys continue to subscribe to our new YouTube page, which again, youtube.com slash sportsethos, I'm going to keep doing these things. One, two, whatever shows per day. We'll just keep trying to grow this. Uh, but it comes down to the this sort of call and response thing. If you guys are doing it with me, I'll keep doing it. Recorded listeners, you guys probably don't care. Also, want to make mention that the Fantasy Pass, this is sort of like a last call on that, has the baseball draft guide. I think a lot of folks have their baseball drafts this week. Season starts in a couple of days. Make sure to get the Sports Ethos MLB draft guide in the Fantasy Pass for just $5.99. That is an absurd, absurdly low rate. $5.99. It's a monthly deal. You can keep it going if you want the baseball uh, in-season stuff after your after your draft. Uh, it also has the fantasy. It has the the basketball fantasy premium stuff in it. So you get the uh, exclusive access to the pros in Discord, which the free folks do not have access to. Uh, you'll get all the dynasty content on the fantasy side throughout the offseason. You'll get our initial drops on everything when they come out for next year. There's just a lot of reasons to do a $5.99 deal over at SportsEthos.com. That's the Fantasy Pass. And you want to check out the Wager Pass. This would be a cool time to do that as well. You get all the handicappers all rolled into one spot, just $14.99 a month, which, I mean, a lot of websites, that's what you're paying for one pick. And you get picks from like eight handicappers for an entire month for that same rate. Okay, now we'll talk about Saturday. Indiana is intriguing, if only because Buddy Heald is going to miss his first game of the year with the flu tonight. Uh, Miles Turner sat out the second half of Indy's back-to-back Friday-Saturday. I am interested to find out if this is the end of the road for the Pacers. And someone asked me on Twitter, this is a pretty reasonable question, actually. They said, why would the Pacers sit any of their guys at this point if... Uh, Miles is their center of the present and the future. What's the point of pulling the plug? Well, number one, guys are tired. Dude's played most of an NBA season. Number two, I think it's important to find out what sort of assets they have among the young big men. Is Isaiah Jackson improving? Is Jalen Smith improving? This is an opportunity to see some of those things. But perhaps most importantly, the Pacers are at 33 wins right now. They are just ahead of the Portland Trailblazers and the Orlando Magic, and they are in a dead heat with the Washington Wizards. That is a four-team clump where the worst among them would have, I believe, the fifth worst record in the NBA, and the best among them would have, what, eighth worst record? There is a massive, massive incentive to be the fifth worst record as opposed to the eighth worst record. You have a better chance to move up into the top three, and even if you don't, you get a better pick. You get The worst you get as you get pushed down would be, what, like seventh or something like that? I, I The math I should be able to do quicker in my head, but uh, fifth worst is pretty different than eighth worst. And the Pacers have done a really nice job of competing all season long. I don't think anybody would fault them if at the tail end of a season where we all thought they were going to be tanking anyway... If they do finally tank for a week and a half or whatever. So keep a very close watch on Indiana. If Miles Turner gets 
shut down for any stretch here. Isaiah Jackson is a bona fide monster. Um, if Tyrese Halliburton gets shut down and potentially TJ McConnell, Andrew Nemhart would finally be, in my opinion, worth playing in that spot. Jordan Nawara is going usage crazy, and with Buddy Heald out, I think he probably does so again. I mean, he probably gets the start. You know, Heald is coming off the bench in the last game anyway. They decided to give Benedict Matherin an opportunity in the starting five, and it stunk. Uh, but Neesmith and Nemhard were already in the starting five as well. I, I like, And Chris Duarte's already been ruled out. So Jordan Nawara is very likely to be a strong play tonight against Dallas. I don't know what the rest of the week is going to look like, so that does make this a little bit harder. But it's a four-gamer, and if you wanted to try to get out in front of it, uh, hope that one of these guys can kind of make it stick for the rest of the week. Well, there you go. A couple of little injury remarks here um, as we're, we're working our way through the card, because we already talked about Atlanta. We talked about Brooklyn. Uh, Miami is a, is a three-player team right now in, in Roto, head-to-head. Does uh, Miami's schedule get better this week? Eh, they go Tuesday, Wednesday, back-to-back, but still a bad schedule. Three-game week overall, so not much in the way of schedule plays. I wanted to sprint to get to Milwaukee because uh, Giannis just got ruled out for tonight. Which, by the way, um, does make sense now, kind of looking at it in total. I thought he would rest in Denver, uh, but they played their regulars in that game in Denver, other than, I think, Middleton rested, what, the front end of the back-to-back, and then he played in the second? It doesn't matter. Uh, Drew Holiday is also out for personal reasons tonight, so this is the game where the Bucks are like, you know what? Like, the rest of you just figure this out because the Pistons are terrible. You should be able to handle it. Uh, it's the middle game of a 5-7 and seven for the Bucks, which makes me think there's a chance someone might sit in that Indy or Boston back-to-back coming up Wednesday, Thursday, but I guess we don't know for sure. Regardless, uh, hello Bobby Portis night, provided he's not ruled out. Portis will go huge with no Giannis, with no Drew Holiday. You probably get Javon Carter back in the starting lineup, but Joe Ingles might even be the better one-gamer. And then if Middleton's actually playing this one, he might be kind of that last-man-standing opportunity to go a little bit crazy. Let's get nuts. Uh, before we talk about the Nuggets, a couple other little bits of news that trickled out. Larry Markinen is a game-time call, so he might be back for Utah. They have not shut him down for the season. James Harden participated in Philly's shoot-around today. He is questionable for tonight in Denver, uh, but it does sound like Harden is getting closer to coming back and playing a few of these games down the stretch. Uh Joel Embiid also participated in portions of shoot-around. He is also... Uh, a probably going to end up a game-time call for later on tonight, uh, and that's what's going on with Philly. These games are actually important for the Sixers, though. They had briefly caught the Celtics, but then lost a couple in a row, so they're they're now back sort of firmly in the third spot. If they lose again, you might see those regulars get kind of every other day off. We'll see. Um, but, you know, in the meantime, if anybody's off for the Sixers, you guys know what to do. That's DeAnthony Melton time. All right, back to the box scoreboard here. Denver, no surprises there. Um, KCP has cooled a little bit here, but he's been a rest of season play for the rest of the season. Has been for as well. You might see someone sitting here. Denver is... Uh, it's not a back-to-back. They were off on Sunday. I think Michael Porter Jr. is dealing with something. Some soreness. I don't know. We'll see. 
seems like he could play. They had the day off, and then they've got two days off after this one. I don't know. I would expect him to play, but we'll find out. Utah. I mean, we know that other guys get all kinds of stuff to do when Larry Markinen is out. So Kelly Olynyk, huge game. Walker Kessler, monster game. Ochai Abaji tends to go pretty big when Markinen is out. But Lowry, as we just talked about, is a game-time call, which makes trying to make the decision here for the rest of the Jazz a little bit more complicated. Everything he does reflects on everybody else. If Lowry's out, you could start Abaji. You could probably start THT, although his non-counting stats are atrocious. You could probably start Chris Dunn in those spots. And if Markinen plays, you'd probably bench all three of those dudes. Kevin Herter came back for Sacramento, slid right back into a big role, and they needed him to because De'Aaron Fox was out with a sore hamstring that he tweaked in their previous ball game. If Fox misses additional time, uh, you, we tend to see more Davion Mitchell. He played okay in this one, had four steals to kind of float the fantasy line. But typically when Fox is out, you just get a bunch more Herter, more Keegan, more Barnes, usually more Malik Monk, but he actually got tossed in this ball game. And so I don't know that I would venture down that path anyway. I'd probably stick more to the starters. This is also, by the way, a pretty big game for the Kings tonight. They host the Wolves, and the Kings can clinch a playoff spot. They clinched a play-in spot already, but the Kings can clinch their first playoff spot in 20,000 uh, years. So this is going to be an emotional game for Sacramento. Philly, uh, Joel Embiid played in this one. Harden did not, the game on Saturday. So DeAnthony Melton, typically bigger. He was a little slower in this ballgame. But, you know, if anybody's out for them, that's just the guy you go to. It's Melton. It's fine. I mean, he was a first. He had a first-round value for like three games in a row in there. It's not going to happen every single ball game. But Embiid and Harden are questionable. Keep an eye on that for tonight. We just talked about them a moment ago. Bismack Biombo bounced back after a couple of uh, pretty ugly ones. He was a blocks stream last week. He's probably still a block stream if DeAndre Ayton remains out. Uh, TJ Warren had his first kind of good game with the Suns. But guess what? Who cares? Why does, why does who cares? Because Kevin Durant is expected back on Wednesday, which means you got one game of Phoenix this week. That's tonight without KD and then probably the rest of the week with him. Does that mean you can hold on to Josh Okogie a little bit longer? Probably. But after that, and then, again, we'll wait on the status of DeAndre Ayton. We haven't heard anything about him yet this morning. Um, by the way, Mark Monte Morris was a partial participant in practice today. So it uh, sounds like he might be out again. We'll see. Um... You know, if, if Aiden is out and you need blocks, you can go Biombo. That's fine. Like, I, everything about him scares me because he can get to the free throw line or he could get played off the floor. It's just a lot of things that can go wrong there. But uh, they're playing Utah, and Walker Kessler is going to be a big part of what the Jazz are doing. So that probably means you'll get a decent helping of Biombo tonight. New Orleans won again. And you want to talk about a team that made every shot. Forget the Bulls against the Lakers. It was the Pelicans against the Clippers. Pels, I think, set a season high in threes in a bunch of different, like, team-wise. They hit 21. That was a season high. Trey Murphy hit 10. That's a career best. Ingram even hit three threes. It's a pretty big number for him. Uh, boy, visitors at Staples Center over the weekend, they really liked the lighting. 
Josh Richardson played 25 minutes off the bench uh, for Herb Jones, who briefly left this ballgame. I think he got popped in the eye, but then came back. I'm still hanging on to Herb. I don't know why. Mostly a steel specialist at this point, but I, I do think that he's better than what most of you can throw out there, especially with the two, uh, the back-to-back here to start the week. And then everything else is the same for New Orleans. Clippers side, we're, we're seeing life without Paul George. Uh, Kawhi Leonard got popped in the face also, but this game was kind of a blowout at that point, so he didn't rush himself back. I, I think he'll be okay in their next one. If Kawhi has to sit out a game, which is tonight against the Bulls, you'll get so much Russell Westbrook that it'll both make your head spin, celebrate, and barf all at the same time. Uh, I'm assuming Kawhi's going to play. I think he's listed as probable right now, so let's bank on him being in there. But, you know, again, the Clippers, without Paul George, are going to, for better or worse, have to lean on Westbrook more, and it can get ugly. We saw it with the Lakers when he had to do more than the sort of carved out role that the Clippers were figuring out he belonged in, it turned sour. You know, Bones Highland stepped into a bigger role last couple of ball games. He's going to be pretty hit or miss these days. I think I'm probably, at least in nine cat, I'll go Kawhi and I'll go Zubots. And then in head-to-head, the Clippers finally have a better schedule this week. They go four times the first six days. Uh, you can go Eric Gordon for those four. You can go, and you could probably go Terrence Mann for those four. He banged knees in this ball game. You can definitely go Russ and then just pray for the best. I paused to take a drink after talking about Russ, but a lot of that is just that I I can't in good conscience say to use Russell Westbrook. Uh, anybody not play over the weekend is the age-old question here. I think the answer is Detroit and New York. Yeah, those are the ones. Knicks didn't go over the weekend, but they're not. I mean, they last played on Thursday, so, you know, we've already talked about their last ball game. And then Detroit, I think Detroit went on Friday. Yeah, so we do need to talk about the Pistons still. Where the hell is your, where the hell are you, Detroit Pistons? Um, Jalen Duran was back. I don't know why I can't find him. I'm losing my mind here. Looking for the Pistons' last game, and you know what? I think I'm looking. Am I looking at Saturday? No, I'm looking at Friday. Where the hell is the Pistons' last ball game? Oh, I'm looking at the wrong Friday. I'm sure everybody in the chat room is yelling at me. Dan, you dummy. All right, so Detroit got blown out by Toronto in their game on Friday. Um, Marvin Bagley played 30 minutes. He is... Pistons' schedule's better this week again, so he's very much a head-to-head play. James Wiseman's a head-to-head play. I like Jalen Duran for all formats. I think he can do it in 25 minutes a game. Um, so definitely head-to-head. Roto, if, you, if you're not hunting rebounds, I guess maybe you, you could veer a different way. Killian Hayes is right on the cusp. I'll probably play him in most formats. And then Jaden Ivey is far better in different punt builds. Not a good foul shooter in his young career nine turnovers in this ball game that'll kill you as well so again just make the call based on your team needs in that scenario and that is the 30 team recap but as i mentioned earlier in the program we are uh we're doing both halves of the show today in this one because we have the weekly lineup show coming up at two o'clock pacific time make sure to tune into steve vidovich on that front So, what's coming up tonight? 
First of all, uh, I want to get into the streaming schedule more than I want the like like what to watch for type of stuff. But we can do the what to watch for really quickly here. Dallas at Indiana. Um, Luca's in. His technical got rescinded. Indiana, this is a team that is on the cusp of pulling the plug. So be very attentive to who's in and who's out for the Pacers. There might be opportunities here. Um, Isaiah Jackson is probably worth stashing if you're on the Roto side. Buddy Heald has already been ruled out, so Jordan Nwora is almost definitely worth a play for tonight. Milwaukee, we talked about earlier. Giannis drew both out. I mean, this is the thing. Like, we did the 30-team recap here, so you guys are pretty much ready for what all of these teams are bringing you tonight. Detroit, we just talked about. Houston, uh, nothing really. Knicks, finally back after a ton of time off. Emmanuel quickly is a schedule play if Jalen Brunson's playing, but everything else is the same. Phoenix will be waiting on the DeAndre Ayton news. Um, that'll obviously color whether or not we can use Bismarck Biombo. Larry Markin in the game time call in Utah is going to make a ton of decisions for us there. Philly, both superstars are questionable. Denver, nothing. New Orleans, nothing really. Portland, they're another pull-the-plug team that you want to be out in front of. Minnesota-Sacramento should be a really fun ball game, but not a ton there fantasy-wise unless you want to keep tabs on slow-mo and whether or not there's any any uh, erosion for him. And then Chicago on the back-to-back against the Clippers. Can they shoot as well again? Does it matter? And for the Clippers, uh, whether or not Kawhi plays is going to be a big thing, but even if he does, I think we need to pay attention to what the Clippers are doing tonight. But I want to get into the schedule stream stuff because as we talked about on Friday... Uh, this is a week where streaming at the beginning of the week is a little bit simpler than last week where the Kings had the back-to-back, but almost everybody had the same general number of games outside of the really bad schedules. This week, you can front-load it a little bit better because the week as a whole is a little more back-loaded. Like, a lot of teams have Wednesday, Friday, Sunday built into their schedule, a ton of teams have two games Friday through the end of the weekend. I mean, if you look at the the uh, the NBA schedule chronologic or uh, here, you know what? For the YouTubers, I'm going to pull it up on the screen so everybody can see what I'm talking about. But if you look at like the schedule board that we use uh, as part of our premium package, and you just look at the alpha the alphabetical side of it. Every single team from the New York Knicks to the Washington Wizards, which is the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven teams alphabetically all go Friday, Sunday, which is pretty weird. And like the vast majority of the NBA goes Friday, Sunday this week. So you've got some big time overload days to look ahead to. Uh, which, unfortunate, yes. Friday, how many games is that on Friday? Friday, I think there's like 13 games. And then, you know, the NBA is trying to dodge March Madness as best they can. Sunday, I think, is also 13. So you're going to have these huge overload days, meaning early in the week, it's really important to look at who your worst players are going Friday, Sunday, in the overload. Because this is an opportunity to get off of those players and get on to the very few teams. There aren't many this week, folks. Wednesday is a, is like a borderline overload day with, with 10 games. But like tonight, there's uh, eight. Tomorrow, six. Thursday, two. And Saturday, two. So if you're looking at the card, you're looking at the 30th in particular, Thursday, and April 1st, Saturday. 
The Pelicans are the only team in the NBA that plays both Thursday and Saturday games this week. So not only is New Orleans the best spot if you want to start the week strong with a back-to-back today and tomorrow, but they are also the best calendar for avoiding the overload days. And because there are only two games apiece on Thursday and Saturday, you're going to have to move fast. Meaning, you kind of need to make moves, I would think, either tomorrow or Wednesday. I don't think you can wait until Thursday. Uh, to beat the other teams in your league to these more, uh, the more succulent streams on those ball clubs. So, like, let's take, uh, forget today, tomorrow, because we've already talked about New Orleans as the good schedule to start the week. If you're going to do something today, and let's say you have a player on a team that goes Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, because there are a bunch of teams that have that and nothing else. Three gamers, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Brooklyn is that. Um, The Lakers are Wednesday, Friday, Sunday this week. The Spurs are Wednesday, Friday, Sunday this week. And then I'd like to add a few more teams to the mix as well are the Tuesday, Friday, Sunday clubs. Charlotte, Atlanta are Tuesday, Friday, Sunday. Cleveland is Tuesday, Friday, Sunday. The Warriors also fall into that bucket. The Orlando Magic, the Toronto Raptors, and the Washington Wizards. So that's a lot of teams sitting either Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, which might be three overload days, or Tuesday, Friday, Sunday, which is two overload days and one slightly and and a game where you a day where you're likely not overloaded. I mean tomorrow. There's a great way to play this. You could make some moves today to get onto the New Orleans Pelicans if you haven't already. That's the direction you'd want to go and I I would actually condone using half of your weekly moves today to get to Pelicans because those players are just not going to hang around very long and in all likelihood you're not going to lose out on games. You might be in a spot where if you have a fringy, I don't know, Charlotte Hornet, for instance, that goes on two overload days and tomorrow, and you don't want to wait around to find out which of your which Pelicans get scooped up by other players in your league, you could go from, I don't, say, Dennis Smith Jr. to Josh Richardson and turn what is effectively a one-game week into a four-gamer. Unless you were really set on playing Dennis Smith Jr. on Friday and Sunday. But my guess is that someone like DSJ, or if you want to look at another team like the Cavs, Karis LeVert, uh, Atlanta, maybe you've got like Bogdan Bogdanovich. These are players that are outside the top 100. Not by a ton, but by a little bit uh, lately. And would I would assume on your roster be somewhere between your 8th and like 13th best player. There's almost no way they're better than that on your team if you're in the fantasy finals right now. So you can move on from a top 100 level play to like a top 125 guy. And sure, yeah, you'd lose out on the better game happening on Tuesday when, let's say, you move to Josh Richardson or something like that in New Orleans or Herb Jones if he's out there or Najee Marshall or Larry Nance or whatever. Yeah, the guy you dropped probably has a better game on Tuesday. But the guy you're picking up has three other games to make up for that and then pass it. And I can almost guarantee that four games of almost anyone on the Pelicans is better than one fringy game from those teams I was talking about on Tuesday that have a game this week on Tuesday or Wednesday and then Friday, Sunday after that. 
And if it's Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, you might actually be dropping a player that's on three overload days for you. And sure, maybe maybe you do lose out on like your seventh best player on Wednesday where you'd rather have that guy. But if you're turning what could end up basically being a zero into a four-game week, that's a massive, massive jump. It's not a zero. It's, uh, it's whatever the value is between the player you subbed in for the one that you dropped on your overload day. That's a really weird sentence, and I feel like I need to explain it just a tiny bit before we, before we wrap things up here. If you're dropping, again, let's say Dennis Smith Jr. on, on uh, that plays Friday, Sunday, the player you slot in to take his spot in your starting five is probably going to be just the tiniest bit worse. So if you thought you were going to get like 12, 6, and 6 out of Dennis Smith Jr. and the guy you're slotting in is going to give you, you know, 10, 4, and 5, then there is a fraction of a game that you lose there. But it's so very small, and if that happens three times, boy, you can really push out in front with some of the moves you're making early this week. Uh, so that's what I'm looking at today. The other time to do all of this stuff would be on... Uh, Thursday, but really, to me, it feels like you've waited too long at that point. So I think you can get out in front of it today. It's a very rare scenario, thank you, March Madness, where using your moves early in the week isn't a death blow to your team. Because think of it from the other standpoint. You're like, Dan, what if I don't have moves to replace an injured player? Who cares? You sub someone else in from the overload day. You can probably have two guys, three guys go down on Friday or Sunday, and you'll probably still be able to field a full 10 on your roster. So you just don't need as many moves to replace injured guys this week. Save, say, two. Maybe save two moves until Thursday, because you could pivot to Boston or Milwaukee or something like that if a player pops up that, you know, you really like their schedule, or like I think Denver goes on Thursday as well. Uh, or if you wanted to hold off until Saturday... You've got uh, Dallas, the Clippers, the Pels, the Heat. Those are the four teams that go on Saturday. So there's a way to do this stuff later in the week. It just, to me, feels like you can you can get possibly three bonus games by making your streaming plays early in the week. All right, super long show, I know, but we needed to cram two shows into one uh, today. Make sure to hang out with Steve Vidovich at 2 o'clock for the week preview show. He'll get into a little bit more of the detail on... You know, some of the injured guys, the game time calls, things like that. Stuff that we were not able to cover here uh, on our already needlessly long episode of Fantasy NBA Today. YouTubers, like and subscribe, please, to my recorded listeners. Uh, have a fantastic Monday. Good luck if you're in your finals. Good luck if you're stat hunting in Roto. And we'll do it again tomorrow. Later for now. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.